We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dame Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming a Saturday morning. It's November 26th. Hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. We're reconvening here on Saturday morning after having taken off Thursday and Friday for the holiday, which means we haven't talked since before the win in Indiana, the Wolves' fifth straight win at the time, and pretty clearly the best game of the season for this Wolves team, which brought them to Charlotte on a five-game winning streak. And the question kind of going into that game on Friday against the lighter opponent was, you know, whether or not this same energy, same level of play from the Indiana game would carry over, extend the winning streak. Obviously, that didn't happen. The Wolves lost by two to a Charlotte team that was without probably their three best players, no Lamella Ball, no Gordon Haywood, Hayward, no Miles Bridges. I thought it was a loss that felt a lot more like one of the early season games, like one of those San Antonio or Oklahoma City games. But at the same time, it's like that can be true. At the same time, though, it doesn't rule out the fact that they that they did play that game in Indiana, that they did win five in a row. So to try and acknowledge all of that today, we're going to both talk about what went into the five-game winning streak and what from that streak didn't carry over to Charlotte on Friday. Kyle Tiggy's here to do that with me. Kyle, what's up? How's it going? Yeah. Uh... It's a bummer we didn't record on Wednesday night because that was, as you just said, probably, I mean, prisoner of the moment, but I thought Wednesday, and we'll get into this, but I thought Wednesday's win against Indiana was maybe the most complete game they've played under Chris Finch. Not just this year, but just, I I thought, and I'll have to go back and like rewatch it like I kind of always do in the mornings, but they just kind of pummeled them and even when they got punched in the face they punched right back and that's like so a thing that this team in franchise never does and it was just a complete kind of ass kicking for 48 minutes even though obviously indiana made some yeah runs. they played well too yeah and then um and by the way indiana has like the second best record in november in the league so it's it's not like that team was you know i know we thought they'd be a pushover in october but they're a really good team in the league right now so as good as wednesday was friday was equally as bad I literally kind of thought it was maybe the worst loss of the Finch tenure. And I'm sure there's some ones that I'm missing, but that game was just a bunch of guys who all I always, I thought about this, like Terry Rozier, Kelly Uber and stuff. Those are guys that when they leave your team, your team gets better. And the <laughs> Hornets just have a bunch of those guys. Yeah. And they just, I mean, book night was taking heat check threes from 30. Like it was just right. no respect for their opponent. And I don't think the Hornets had much respect for the wolves. So, Wednesday was, as we get into here, Wednesday I thought was like the high of the hot. Like, this is what this can look like. And then, as our friend Barf always says, this is the Minnesota Timberwolves experience. Friday was also like, this is what the Timberwolves can look like. No, I think that's uh, I think that's really well put. I think, I don't know, I, I think a lot of people probably came into Friday with a little bit of, like, fear, though, of the idea that it wouldn't carry over from from Indiana and because you do see that ceiling, but you also know with this team that they haven't been a consistent team for, uh, honestly, most of the the Finch tenure. This is, I don't know if that's a Finch thing, a player thing, whatever. This team tends to go up and down. Uh, though, again, I think we do need to acknowledge that it was two weeks 
of of an up. And I have some I have some numbers here in front of me of just like isolating for the two weeks or 13 days, I think it was of the of the five game winning streak. And Kyle, when I just say to you, like broadly, the Wolves played a different brand of basketball during the winning streak specifically than they were playing before the winning streak. Like how would how would you describe that brand of basketball during the winning streak, maybe most highlighted by that Indiana game? Uh, well, I mean, compared to what happened last night, just unstickiness. I mean, the ball was whipping around. I'm guessing one of the things you're going to, the stats you're going to throw out is that I think they were like top three or four during that like seven game, eight game stretch and assists. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a pretty basic metric, but they were just passing the ball. You know what I mean? Like everyone was involved. Um, I always think, you know, I obviously have a clear bias for Jaden McDaniels, but his offense usually comes when the ball is moving around and there's just more movement. It's not stagnant. Jaden McDaniels is going to give you those two point, four point box scores when the offense is, is broken and sucks. Uh, that's always like one little barometer of how everything's going on the court. But yeah, I just thought it was, you know, pass and move, excellent team basketball. Everyone was involved. And when everyone's kind of in rhythm and the ball's whipping around, and I don't know, I was going to ask you this in a little bit, but like it makes it easier to kind of get in rhythm to shoot threes and to yeah. be spotted up. And just that doesn't happen when everyone's going back to just ISO, ISO, ISO. Yeah. And I mean, what did happen with in the, the streak, if you again, if I say for those two weeks, like the Wolves shot more like league average from three. They're about 36 and a half percent league average. Oh, yeah. Prior yep. to that, when they start the season, those first 13 games of the year, five and eight, like they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. They were in the 33% percentage, 33, 34%, something like that. And and yeah, so overall, we know ball movement is something that fosters better offense for this team, does for most teams, but I think particularly this group. And you look at the winning streak for those five games, they were in that time, uh, they were the seventh best offense in the league. And before that, they were 22nd. So I think we're really seeing, we really saw an offensive jump in the wins, which is is to be expected to some extent, they're you know they got kind of to be one of the best shooting. It wasn't just three point shooting; two point shooting was really good. Fourth best effective field goal percentage in those two weeks of the streak, and they got to the free throw line more, right? And on the other side of the ball, defensively, it spiked too. First thirteen games of the season, they're sixteenth in the league in defensive rating during the streak. They're third. You know that was mostly again, to be expected, about driving down your opponent's field goal percentage. Defensively, they just weren't doing uh, a great job of that during, you know, during the streak. They're one of the best at limiting shots in the league going in. Third best effective field goal percentage in the league in that time. And they rebounded better. Like these are kind of, it was kind of the exact example of, it wasn't hard to point at what the Wolves weren't doing when they started the season five and eight, right? And during the winning streak, like kind of slowly, and, and you know, some of those were softer wins against opponents that were hurt. But I really thought you watch that Indiana game, and pretty much all of the holes that they had were were filled, right? That they've had in those th- yep. first thirteen games outside of turnovers, which we can talk about too. Turnovers have been a serious problem all season, pre-winning streak, during winning streak. The worst turnover game of the season was actually the Indiana game. You know, and it was a, it was an issue again against Charlotte. But it's just to me, it's just kind of finding small things to boost efficiency offensively and defensively, not really changing all that much of, of what they do. Shot selection still pretty much the same with or without the winning streak, but just having a little bit more confidence and a little bit actually a lot fewer of those lulls that we also come to identify this team with. That's a lot right there, but what what sticks out to you from those kind of basic numbers? Well, I think the shooting numbers, because these are just like any uh, depressed Timberwolves fan. I just woke up this morning and started clicking around on NBA stats, just trying to look things up. Um, Because again, like there's so many narratives. Like if you follow the team a little closely, you kind of, you understand more what you just said. The turnovers are, probably what maybe this team's biggest issue mm-hmm. the rebounding is still a big issue i think maybe from a national perspective people might think that it's more of a defensive issue just because this team acquired a you know a, a defensive player of the year and the wolves are you know a 500 team but the three-point shooting has been something that stood out and you talked about it during the winning streak but i think last night was the eighth game this season they shot below 30 percent from three and they've lost all eight of those games mm-hmm. 
Like, so basically that's just kind of like, not to s- s- simplify it too much, but basically if you just go look at a box score before you look at the final score, if yeah. the Wolves shot below 30%, they're not winning the game. And last night was another example. And on that nugget, because you've always brought this up and I've always been with you on it. Last night was the 12th time Carl's attempted 11 or more three-pointers. In the previous, so the 12th time he's attempted 11 or more three-pointers in his career. Okay. So he's attempted 11 threes 12 times. In those first 11 games, he shot 42% from three. Hmm. Last night, he shot nine. <laughs> right? I think, and then they're also, and this is a nugget for you, because you've always been like, I just want to see Carl let it fly. And I think a lot of us do. They're six and six in those 12 games. Yeah. I don't know if that number means a lot, because the Wolves are just kind of parentally a bad franchise. But just spin it. I know people are going to roll over in their grave here trying to put some optimism on this. But I think if Carl just goes four of 11 last night or three of 11 they probably win that game he had some fantastic looks on not only just kind of in the flow of the offense they came out of a couple of timeouts and set some screens for him to open him up and if he just hits a couple of those threes i mean they played so bad last night and disrespected their opponent to such an egregious level and we're down by two yeah. right like they were down by 14 in the fourth which is a pretty you know mm-hmm. a lead that in this league just doesn't really get come back on <laughs> Right. In no better way to say it. And they did. Like they stop basket, stop basket, stop basket. But, you know, as they always do, a little too little, too late. But I think the three point shooting, I mean, there's other things too. Like I think I saw today that D'Angelo Russell is the third lowest catch and shoot three point percentage in the league, like in a minimum of like 50 or 60 attempts. You can't have that. Like that's one of, should be one of his staples. Is if you got him kind of isolated and open, he should just hit those. Like all of a sudden, this team is like not very good at shooting. And then I'm watching Malik Beasley go like, you know, <laughs> nine for 14 in Utah on the same night. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Like what, well, why is this team that still has good shooters? Not like the shoot when the shooting's bad, this team almost like has no chance. Well, I, I think I'll actually like spin it positively. Like during the five game winning streak. Yeah. The three point shooting was like a little bit better, but it, I have it here. It was 36.2%. Like league, it was which isn't even league average. League average is thirty six point five percent. So it's like, so yes, like, can we say that this Wolves team is definitely a good three point shooting team? I don't know. We're almost twenty games in the season; they just haven't been. But when you look at the individual talent of of the players, you do think that a D'Angelo Russell should be able to make more of those catch and shoot threes. You do think Carl Anthony Towns is you know, shooting does get back up to that 40% or 40% um, from deep. So in a way, like, doesn't it kind of feel that this team is maybe due or expected to have like a eight game stretch where over that stretch, they shoot 42% from three. Like, I don't know. I get it's kind of a question of, do you just, do we just not believe in the shooters on, on this team anymore? Like, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it should be pet, like average should be a baseline. I think of this group, it's not, it's not the team it was last year where they're going to be leading or one of the leading teams in three point volume. You do lose a Malik Beasley. You do lose a, a confident, if not effective, you know, three point shooter on Patrick Beverly, but just overall, it feels like this team has a, not even higher three point ceiling, but just a higher kind of expected value of what they what they could be as a three-point shooting team and you're right when we do have these games and when you know it just opens up so much more if you can run a spread pick and roll and D'Angelo Russell can swing it off of that to a Jade McDaniels you know above the break three that he makes that opens up so much more the next time you run that pick and roll for Carl if he is making you know if it is four of 11 versus one of 11 then his pump and go to the basket game is is there a lot, you know, is there a lot more. So I really am getting to the point where I think there is more of a defensive or a more of an offensive ceiling that I kind of expect this team to hit. I'm kind of more concerned about the defense right now. And I think that okay. showed up in, in Charlotte in some ways. And you know, one, one thing we've just been talking about all season is like, okay, you got Jane McDaniels to put on the ball. And that is, you know, more often than not, particularly if he stays out of foul trouble, is going to give the other team's best offensive player some problems, right? And you go into that Charlotte game, and you go, they basically got two guys, that's it, who can create from the perimeter. You got Kelly Oubre, and you got Terry Rozier. You put 
you know, you put uh, McDaniels on Rozier, and it felt like in the for- first quarter, right? He's kind of shutting that off. Swing it over to Ubre. Ant looked locked in on ball defensively. And you're like, okay, if they turn off both of those sprinklers, it's going to be pretty tough for Charlotte to find a way to score 100 points in this game. And and that's where I thought it was sort of moving in that sort of direction. But Jaden gets in foul trouble. And that forces Ant to move on to the primary matchup of Rozier, right? And now Ubre's kind of getting the mixture of the Jalen Noels, the just a step down in defenders there. And it just... That really, really costs this team when they don't have Jaden McDaniels reliable in his rotation to be able to to guard those guys due to, you know, due to the foul trouble he has. And and last night we saw it, right? It was just kind of that parade to the rim started in the second quarter, where uh even Tail Maladon was, you know, is getting to the is getting to the rim at well. Like this team has so Dude, little... was the most frustrating loss <laughs> forever. I, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think this perimeter defense is, is going to be an, an issue for this team. And you can tell when it's not going to be. And you got Jaden playing, not in foul trouble, Amp playing kind of that locked in on ball defense. And I just thought the Charlotte game was a good example of the other side of that coin, right? Well, and you said a lot of really smart things there about like perimeter defense and stuff, but Jaden McDaniels, and maybe you have stats on you, right? We can go look this up after, but he's also like an elite rim protector, right? So to your like layup line to the, to the rim thing, it's not like without Jaden on the floor, they just really only have Rudy and Rudy's kind of been, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's also been a little disappointing in terms of like a rim protector. Mm -hmm. Like he's still, I think averaging a, close to a career low in blocks, um, which there's a lot of context that goes into that. But still, I mean, he's not getting you four or five blocks a night. Um, Jade McDaniels on the floor this season. The Wolves opponents are making 58% of their shots at the rim. Jade McDaniels off the floor this season, 67%. That's a massive gap. And that 58% Mm -hmm. is really good. Now, a lot of that has to do with the combination of McDaniels and Gobert. If you look at like McDaniels' minutes without Gobert, that number drops um but it's this idea of the point of attack defense right and not letting them get in as deep to to the lane it's even just like forcing a floater rather than a rim attack right and that just you see that you see that all the way to the basket drives all the, and sometimes Rudy does is able to clean those up but you see that happening so much more often when it's Jalen Noel on the ball for example rather than Jaden McDaniels and Yes, like McDaniels can get block shots here, right? He is like, he is a rim protector in some ways, but it's mostly he's guarding the perimeter, right? And he helps the rim defense as a whole by being a good on-ball defender that's not letting his guy get all the way to the rim. Today's show is sponsored by Hyacinth. Hyacinth is a very seasonal and local Italian restaurant located on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. Also happens to be owned by Ricky and Ashley, who are big Wolves fans. Ricky and Ashley reached out to Kyle and I, and we got the chance to go check out Hyacinth a couple weeks back. And beyond the food, I also just really like the comfortable vibe that you don't always get at a high quality restaurant. But the food really is great food. Their signature dish, Bucatini Cacci e Pepe, I think I'm saying that right, won Dish of the Year in MSP Magazine in 2018. And Ricky, the owner and chef, has been nominated twice for the James Beard Rising Chef Award. So if you're just thinking about a night out for dinner and want to try something new, I would recommend checking out HyacinthStPaul.com for some of their sample menus. And then if you want to get an idea of what it looks like, maybe check out their Instagram page at Hyacinth.Restaurant. That's Hyacinth, H-Y-A-C-I-N-T-H. Hyacinth for an Italian dinner Tuesday through Saturday nights on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Recent studies show that men's testosterone levels are dropping substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. If your father was 30 when you were born, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his are. Low testosterone can have all types of health effects on men. It can cause you to lose muscle mass in your body. It can affect your mood, your memory, and even your sex drive. Let's Get Checked is a worldwide leader in at-home testing kits, and their male hormone tests let you easily test your testosterone levels. These results are reviewed by a clinician. Once your sample is in the lab, confidential results will be available 
from your secure online account within two to five days. Let's Get Checked Labs are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com slash Dane and get 25% off your test using code Dane25. Or look for that link and promo code in the show notes of this episode. That's trylgc.com slash Dane and get 25% off your test using code Dane25. Just like a quick pivot, because I was thinking about TP and his injury. Mm -hmm. Would you say just on like a low level, explain it to me like I'm five years old, that Kyle Anderson probably is helping the offense more than the defense, right? Yeah, well, Kyle Anderson is a good defensive player, I think. You can't put him on Terry Rozier and just be like, all right, this is shut off, right? Right, and well, because my point is, is that I know this sounds terrible when you have a starting five with as much talent and as much salary and as much investment, but that Torian Prince random halftime free safety thing that kind of wrecked his shoulder against the Pacers, they really miss him because for the first 15 minutes of this pod, we've talked about defense and three-point shooting. And having Torian Prince out there would have yeah. helped a lot. I don't I don't think the franchise should necessarily be built around him, but not having him to space the floor. I mean, he's been I think he's been shooting like lights out from three this season. Um, That's kind of a big one. So back to my three point thing, it's like without Torian Prince and then just want to throw this one at you quick. Like the Jalen Noel stuff has yeah. been bad when it's bad. Like I know we always say and he too, like I am Jalen Noel is not Malik Beasley. You always would say he's not Malik. He's more like Ant. Well, he's not Malik Beasley. He's shooting like 26% from three this season. Uh, and his his spot up and his catch and shoot numbers are really bad too. And if you can't get, and I love Jalen, but like if you can't get Jalen to produce off the bench and space the floor, and then you look at who else was in the rotation last night, like Austin Rivers, Nas Reed, Kyle Anderson. I know you said that you're still worried more about the defense, but to me, it's like, well, Torian Prince is out. Yeah. And even, you know, like they, they're all of a sudden like, depleted of shooters <laughs> well um the the thing we we saw is and and this prince thing is, is worth talking about because it's going to be a couple weeks uh that he's going to be out so you're going to need to replace and prince is that weird thing right where he's about half of his minutes at the four half of his minutes at the three and you saw in charlotte what it appears to sort of be the plan is Nas kind of takes the at the four minutes and then some sort of oh, combination yeah. of Jalen noel and austin rivers take more of the wing minutes that that prince was playing and you know it's just going to be an interesting thing to navigate in a lot of ways if it was offense you go okay well Nas has been a really strong individual offensive player so you're injecting him into the mix right um in in torian's place and he's not the same shooter as he is but he could as, as prince is but in ways those guys are kind of similar too like they're a threat from deep and they can take they can catch and attack right um the problem is as as good as I think like the film of Nas has been, it's really not been that good when he's next to Cat or Gobert, right? And I, I tweeted out some of the numbers uh, before the game last night about what that looked like, you know, assuming that Nas is going to play in TP's, uh, in TP's assets. Man, these numbers are nuts. Nas and Gobert on the floor together, net rating minus 21.8. So that's Nas at the four. Nas and, Ta- Nas and Towns out there together, Again, Nas at the four, net rating of minus 24.2. In the minutes when Nas is on the floor at the five and Townsend and Gobert are both off this season, net rating of plus 34.8. So again, those are pretty small sample sizes. If I think if we look and we peeled that back a little bit more, Nas was like a minus 25 in that Miami game when like no one else was that low. So that might really be draining some of those numbers. But broadly... It is fair to say that Nas has been way better at a, at the five this year than he has been in his minutes at the four. And the opportunity here that he's going to be given to play, and I think we can bet on him being in the rotation every night, the Torian Prince isn't, is those are going to come at the four. And to get some of that offense back that you're talking about, Nas has to be the offensive player that he has been at the five. Does that make sense? Yeah, that all makes sense. I really like those those numbers you tweeted out were pretty eye-opening because it was kind of like, a, oh, I, I I don't know if Nas has been that great. And then those numbers mm-hmm. kind of back that up. Um, Do you mind if I pivot for a yeah. sec here? So just to lay it out again, and this is going to kill some people, but they entered Charlotte last night, five-game winning streak. They uh, it, If they would have won, it would have been their only like their second 
six-game winning streak since 2004. Yeah. Uh, one <laughs> thing to do, stat. if you just, and this might be a good a good time to explain to people like optimism or good cop, bad cop. If you really want to know sometimes why, like, I see them complete a three-man weave and I start to like throw a parade, go back and look at some of those uh, just like game by game record things of like in the late 20 or early 2010s. Dude, they had like two 16 game losing streaks in the same season. <laughs> okay. Do you know how much meth you'd have to do to like cover that? So, yes, this team is a lot better than those teams. But yeah, so they come into this five game winning streak, they blow that. They also had a 10 point lead at halftime. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, like, we're talking about this tremendously bad loss where all you had to do was play 24 more minutes to kind of close it out. And today it would have been like six game winning streak, longest in the league, fourth in the West. It came down to like that third quarter. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about it, I guess, for years, but maybe we need to like kind of go in. What the hell happens at halftime? Yeah. I mean, I I think there's a, it's just an overconfidence thing. I think last night, is an example of of overconfidence where you've won five straight you're up by 10 at halftime in charlotte and you just are kind of start feeling yourself and and i think that's what this team this team has it, it loses its sense of urgency so quickly and uh okay i'll play i'll play the clip brit asked might as well we're talking about this exact topic brit brit asked Finch about this after the game it's five wins in a row and a double-digit lead at halftime. Do you think that the team came out overconfident in the third quarter? Uh, that's there could be every possibility of that. Although you know, I'm not sure that uh, I you know I felt that way. I didn't feel really great at halftime. I didn't really particularly like how we played in the second quarter very much. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if that you know you can talk to them. So so Kyle, I, I think about that, and it's like I, I think it's it's in the players head a little bit more right where it, it's just that urgency we're talking about right it should have kind of been there at the end of the second quarter it kind of became clear at that time that this was going to be a game that was like charlotte charlotte wasn't just rolling over and dying you could you could kind of tell that and i think that needs to be in the back of your mind that there needs to be urgency to come out start the third quarter put this team away and what they didn't do is they do have that habit that they can fall back into of of losing that urgency, that energy, all those all those sort of things. And, you know, I, I think Ant is a really good emblem of that, right? In the games when this that stuff doesn't happen, it seems like Ant is like there right away to start the third quarter. Or like he he senses that those lulls coming and you know takes it upon himself with his energy and his effort. That doesn't happen every time. And and other people need to pick him up in those situations. He needs to be more consistent in, in those times. But it's it's just, again, kind of some of that language we were using when things were were low, where it's like just this, this team can play with the belief that they have proven more, more than they have. And they've gotten to the point kind of of having proven more, right? Having won the five games in a row, looking good against Indiana. I think we just know and should know that this is a trap that this team can fall into and we should believe that you know until until kind of shown otherwise i mean the, yes to, to, to the point about the trap uh this is from andrew andrew carlson on twitter but yeah the last year's wolves were four and nine they went on a five-game winning streak went into charlotte on november 26th and oh, lost wow. yep. you know what i mean this year's wolves five and eight five-game winning streak go into charlotte on the 25th of november and lose so it might just be, as I just said, they're up 10 at half. It might just be something in the water in Charlotte, North Carolina. No, I think it's the day. Those are the day after Thanksgiving, both times. Like, yeah, but I think everyone. I'm, I'm serious. Turkey, that's right? like kind of like, well, yeah, but it, it is the like, if we are saying that this is a team that has a tendency to lull. It makes sense that the, a game they would lull in is the night after Thanksgiving, you know, and yeah, no, that's fair. And it's just kind of turning that switch on and off and it's an 82 game season and you're not going to have it every night and that isn't necessarily expectation even for a 50 win team but i just look at both of those games both in charlotte the night after thanksgiving and you see part of this team's identity is that kind of 
inability to totally flip the switch all the way back on after turning it off for a little bit of time. And, and I don't know what, uh, there's a whole bunch of different adjectives we can use of immaturity, some of those sort of things. Um, but yeah, that, that is, that is a part of this team's identity just as much as the high level of talent that they do have and the daunting front court that they have and what Anthony Edwards can do to explode or what D'Angelo Russell or Jane McDaniels can do when they're on, like their identity is a team that swings, right? That, that can just go a lot of different directions, typically based on focus and energy related issues. That's what it seems to me. I thought we did a pretty good job of outlining outlining how bad the loss was to the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Um, but and this has kind of been my new motto, I guess. Shout out to my shout out to D'Angelo Russell. Like it really doesn't ever seem as good as it is, right? Like there were a lot of ways to poke holes in those five game winning streaks, and mm-hmm. a lot of people wanted to point at who didn't play in those games. Although I'm kind of getting tired of that because a I've said this before, but the, the Wolves never win. So like anytime they win, I'm going to celebrate it. But also, this is just like the NBA at large. It, this idea that the Timberwolves get really good injury luck is right. But go watch some of these other like a lot of teams just don't have their players. The Wolves at least have their guys active. Mm-hmm. But to your point about this belief they have, you can talk about defense, and you, we did and turnovers. You know, I think they turned the ball over like they're dead last in opponent second chance points per game. So the Wolves turn the ball over all the time, and then their opponent or um, 27th points in opponents, turns. points off turnover, yeah. and then they're also dead last in second chance points. Like they do these little things. If you can just totally. correct those, just take care of the ball, go grab the ball. Like mm-hmm. those are little things to just really massively improve some of the good offensive numbers you've said. But that belief thing where it's like they just have confidence in themselves, like last night, 62 52 at half, they come out, give up a three, turn the ball over, give up a basket, offensive foul give up like two free throws within two minutes. So all of a sudden their lead is blown away. They just do the exact things that give a less talented team belief, right? Like this team... turnovers inspire another team. Giving up offensive rebounds are inspirational to the other team. Not playing physical that makes you as the opponent feel like there's less standing in the way of what you do well. And like, it's just, it's just opening that door enough as, as the cliche cliche goes like all 30 teams are good they all have nba players like if you do enough of those door crackings like these teams are going to come in and be able to take it away and 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 on the other side of the coin indiana was the example of the opposite of that indiana kept knocking right you said like you did the boxing match analogy like they kept on punches and the wolves said nope door closed nope door closed and and that's what it's like going to come down to against you know 80 percent of the league that's less talented than them. How, how many of those doors are you going to let them open up in the in the course of a game? That's just the the basic stuff yep. that gives the other team confidence. And that's why, despite thirty five good minutes of stats, I hate to be the fan analytics guy, but I think this all just comes down to mentality. Yeah, <laughs> like I I do really think, despite if you don't like a certain guy, they really have more talent than like eighty percent of the league. Yeah, but for some better. reason, this group. And not so much this franchise, but this core just can win money on a scratch off and think they won the Powerball. (laughs) And it's incredible. Like for them to just not have that like, kill. I mean, maybe we've never really used this term, like the killer instinct to just be on a five game winning streak up 10 at half and just come to the locker room and be like, hey, no one gets to sit down. We're all just going to stand. Like we're just (laughs) going to stand for these 15 minutes because we're not going to lose this mojo it's not it's the times when they make it harder on themselves that it is easily the most frustrating thing right because and that ties into effort and things but it's when we know that this should be easier and to your point about like giving these like that's like my biggest pet peeve in basketball is the hornets are one of the five worst teams in the league record wise talent wise collection of human beings like that should have been a really easy game to just stomp out and some of this is psychological it's just have a killer instinct to just kind of put your foot on their neck and just end it. So again, which we saw in Indiana, like this is coming off as this, but it, it's just more frustrating when you have seen it 48 out, not even 48 hours earlier. Like they do have the ability to do it. It just is like, turn the key in the ignition and, 
and do it. And and you do, I, I don't go into like any game feeling confident that I know when that will or will not happen because it's just kind of like spin the wheel. That's what it feels like right now. And good teams are not that way. The best teams in the, like every year when you look at like the one and two seed in the Western Conference, I feel like so often those teams are defined by the teams who played one of their good level of games, not great, but good level of games, like 85% of the time. It's it's just that. It's that it's it's limiting that disparity of the range of outcomes, the level, the ranges of effort. I, I I've used the Phoenix example a lot over the past two years. I just felt like whether it was at Target Center or watching them on League Pass, like that came in, that team would came in and was business the last two years. Memphis the two seed in the West last year, like that team was business like going in. And this is, you know, that that's higher range for this Wolves team, but with the expectations of being maybe a top four seed in the West, that comes with it as much as we want to talk about schemes and, and stats and all that stuff. It's just, you're right. It is, it is a lot of that. that it's mentality, been, it's so. been, but they, but they, that back to Andrew's tweet, they, they probably all talked about that at like shoot around. Like yeah. they all, a trap game is can be loosely defined, but Andrew literally tweeted it out like 24 hours before the game. Like we knew that this was a trap game, <laughs> yeah. right? So to me, it's there is some definition of insanity here where it's like, okay, if you were driving on the highway and on mile marker 36, you hit a pothole, okay. But if you're going on that same route again and you know on mile marker 36, there's a pothole and you still hit it, mm-hmm. that is like on you. So it, it it's frustrating because again, I to what I said at the top, Indiana game, even though you kind of countered with that was the most turnovers they've had all season, and I thought it was the best game they've played. I, I think so, both are true. <laughs> right, so that's crazy. It's the, And again, this is just who I am, but I, I really think despite how frustrated and pissed off you could be and should be, and you booed them through your TV about that Hornets loss, they had been playing really good basketball, mm-hmm. and that's probably why this is more frustrating. It's not like they were... 500 like over the last 10 coming into this like they were rolling and they should have rolled that Hornets team um and it kind of glosses over again some really good things because the things that they're bad at again like I said you know opponent second chance points points off turnovers those are things you can control yeah. I don't know to my shooting concerns if you can necessarily control that right you just I mean in Carl's defense I know people are like man he went one for 11 from three why didn't he stop shooting I don't know, yeah, man. That's never, not that's what the best shooters be, do. Yeah, and, you know and, I mean? like yeah, and Finch said after the game. Finch said after the game. I think they took forty-one attempts. He goes, I think thirty-five of them were good looks. And and you're right. There, there is there is more variance in shooting. There needs to not be as much variance um, in in effort and and some of those you know some of those other small things. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis 
analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. This is kind of jumping around, but you you mentioned Jalen Noel earlier and I I kind of left it out of the, oh, yeah, yeah. the injury part of it too. But I mean as kind of rough as the first, you know, five, six, seven, whatever that was, games of the season were, Jalen Noel was a real bright spot during that time. And, and you listed off some of the numbers, but he has not been that. Um, he, we just, it is not his skill set to be a strong defender. The hope is, you know, he can kind of get by, maybe be that sort of average level of defenders. But he's also, he's been the Wolves' least efficient offensive player in terms of offensive mm-hmm. estimated plus minus. And that's what he's paid to. Obviously we know like that can be true. And he still microwave some games, probably won him a couple games due to that. So you kind of take some of those efficiency stats with a microwave guy with a, with a grain of salt, but like this has been a couple weeks now, even longer than the streak that Noel hasn't really been um, anything like he was at the beginning of the season. And I am just, Getting to the point, and this team's a little dinged up right now. But I wonder if, like, you could if Torian Prince was was healthy and Jordan McLaughlin was back. Like, do we know that Jalen Noel has a rotation spot permanently on this team? Like, do you have to start making some of a case for Austin Rivers to be, you know, in the mix? Maybe cutting into that Noel role. It's not even that big, or just like maybe it is six games where Noel's kind of out until some of this perimeter defense stuff like bounces back it's just we went in the season right of like well the ninth man that backup shooting guard type thing is noel rivers or forbes we know it's not forbes we thought it was noel i i just i i for me i really keep going back to how important perimeter defense feels for this team and outside of Jaden mcdaniels the player on the entire roster that i feel most confident in a in being able to turn guys and be at the point of attack is Austin Rivers. And he lacks a lot on the offensive end in comparison to Noel, I think. But man, I'm just wondering, I, I, or I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked if we start seeing a change there, particularly in this time that Prince is out, who has been another one of their best perimeter defenders. Are you with that at all? Well, yeah, I'm with that. And of course, Chris Finch is with that too, right? Because Austin Rivers is like the one guy on the team who gets like literally plays games, but the box score says somehow like zero minutes, right? Because he gets subbed in for like a half of a possession. So Chris Finch obviously believes in it too. Like if I need a stop late game or, you know, end of quarter and I need a defensive sub, like it's going to be Austin Rivers. He's that left-handed pitcher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's throwing knuckleballs. So no, I mean, this was, I think, what, maybe the first real two games of the season that Austin's been in the rotation, mm-hmm. which obviously is simultaneously because Jordan McLaughlin's out of it. Yeah. Um, but I, much- I, I'm wondering how much Rivers can play even once J-Max back, which I think we're probably anticipating is back in these next two. You know, it's a back-to-back, so maybe he only plays one of them. I, I think we know right now that Austin Rivers is the third-string point guard on this team. Anytime mm-hmm. DeAndre Russell misses time or Jordan McLaughlin misses time, Austin Rivers will be in the rotation. I just wonder if what this team needs right now is maybe him in more consistently and in more of a wing type of role um taking some Torian Prince type minutes or maybe it's just not letting Noel take the all of the Prince minutes and it ends up Noel stays at that 14 minutes a night rather mm-hmm. than blowing up to 26 like if it was early season Jalen Noel I'd be like all right like no Torian Prince like Let's play offense. Like, let's get buckets with Noel in the second unit. Let's do that thing that we've seen. I I just think if it were me, I'd I'd really be considering um, how important Austin Rivers and his perimeter defense is on the second unit uh, compared to what you're getting from more offensive centric options like Forbes or to or like Noel or to a lesser extent Forbes. I mean, the good the good news is, again, I think they've I thought they've played really good basketball. And that's why Friday night's loss was extra painful is because they came in doing a lot of good things and the bad things were pretty fixable. 
Yep. Right. I mean, just from a basic quick mm-hmm. 30 second rant, turnovers have to be the easiest thing to fix. It's just taking care of the ball and putting an emphasis on it, right? Like you can control turning the ball over much easier than you can controlling making threes. Here's Finch on it. A lot, a lot of carelessness. I'd see uh, just, you know, passes that are a beat late, uh, just, you know, kind of wild, um, just unnecessary stuff, you know? So. Yeah. And, and outside of Jordan out McLaughlin. Austin Rivers. Yeah, Remember yeah. that Austin Rivers thing, though, where he was like driving to behind the rim the and like put it behind his back? Yeah. In a situation where they're trying to come back, mm-hmm. those plays are deflating. And, so, and that's sorry, what Rivers, no, that's what Rivers like. Rivers is not a, doesn't solve multiple problems, right? And, and that's why that he, my little Noel versus Rivers rant, like there's a case a- against it, right? Um, because whatever turnover issues, Noel has. I don't think you feel super confident that Rivers is going to be able to play make at a high level. I think Jordan McLaughlin's really important here. And in this interim period of no TP, like, can Jordan McLaughlin maybe take on the bigger role? Can we see some, not just the 16 minutes a night he plays as Delos backup? Can, maybe it's J Mac. You bo- boost up to like 24 a night and he starts playing alongside Delos some there too. He's the guy when we talk about these problems, turnovers, you know. Uh, effort defensively like J Mac, you don't, you know, you don't have, you don't have those type of concerns. So yeah, that said, you don't want to just bury Noel. He feels like an important part of this team, you know, big picture. They obviously can, can benefit from him too. I'm just wondering at what point are we at a spot where it's like what Noel brings might not be more than what they could get elsewhere. And unfortunately 10, 12 games, of him looking like this has has I think makes that a at least a, a conversation topic to to bring up. There's also some there's some chicken or egg here in a sense of the Wolves have won all these games against teams missing players that you can identify Jimmy Butler, Lamelo Ball, those types of guys. The Wolves are at you know for most part really healthy, but it is kind of you know until we talk about this mentality or until we talk about guys like Ant or Jaden like taking that next step in terms of basketball IQ or just some of those things not following their the injuries that the Wolves have are also like somehow equally as important yeah. I mean Jordan McLaughlin and Torian Prince are kind of the you know they're not the foundation this concrete or the wood panels of a house but they are like the insulation they fix a lot of things mm-hmm. I mean if, if the Wolves took a hundred charges in a season I think Torian Prince takes 105 of them. <laughs> about that, man? Right? Like they just, they miss the guys that do the little things. Yeah. And now the counter to that is okay, but why don't the star players just pick up a couple extra responsibilities on the job description? Mm-hmm. But that's just not what we've seen. That's just not kind of what they do. So, yeah, I mean, the good news here when we talk about shooting or we talk about playmaking or that you're Jalen Noel, Austin Rivers thing, Chris Finch still has. A lot of options, even with a couple bench guys depleted, right? Yep. I mean, they won that Pacers game and Nas Reed didn't play. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's still, you know, you can go to Kyle Anderson a lot. You can lean on him. Austin Rivers, obviously. Um, but there's just, you got to get more from that bench because yeah, they're just going to be important. I because I, I, I do, I know, I don't know if we're trying to close it up, but I, I don't want to gloss over like D'Angelo Russell has been yeah, really good. good. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, I think he had, what, 15 and 12 against the Pacers, and then, I don't know, did he have, like, 20 and 10 against And the defense the and effort was there from him, too. Yeah, he had yeah he had 20 and 10. Was and listen, four of 10 turned the ball over three, yeah. a couple times, you know. I'm sure he missed a couple. He didn't get to the, like, free throw line, which is always, like, just a straight complaint of mine for my guards is to just, like, D'Lo and Ant played, like, 73 minutes combined, and they had two free throw attempts against the team that, wasn't the 96 bulls, right? Like they didn't have a ton of defense on the perimeter either. So, but no Luke long at the, the rim. Actually, yeah. they kind of, so did. this is, this is, I mean, I'm just going to steal the show. I just want to moving forward. I think the wolves right now in terms of record and tiebreakers and all that stuff are literally 15th out of 30 teams in the league. Like they are an average basketball team, but if you follow the West, like 12 out of the 15 teams are, pretty average they're they're, you know the jazz and the suns are still kind of up there but and the nuggets i just like pull pull up the standings day and the nuggets kind of started the season slow too and you are really in kind of one of these spots where a winning four out of five type of run for any team in the west outside of like the houston's and oklahoma city's whatever like you're kind of can drastically change 
you know, drastically change her position. And I think that's now the question as we talk about this idea of like carryover going forward, like what's going to carry over to the Warriors on Sunday and a back to back on the road in Washington on Monday? Because then you got the because then you got the Grizzlies on Wednesday. Like that that Monday game in Washington is going to be tough no matter what. You're going to be a little shorthanded. It's going to be a road back to back. I also think the Grizzlies are not a good matchup for this team right now due to the physicality they have. They were a good matchup last year. I don't think it's as much now. You know, no Desmond Bain. It seems like half their team is also like sort of day to day. But point being is, if you bring more of the Charlotte energy than the Indiana energy this five-game winning streak could turn into a four-game losing streak, you know, pretty pretty quickly before, you know, by the time we get to Wednesday night. So, again, comes back to urgency, right? Like, urgency of knowing that you fall or jump in the standings based on these little kind of pockets, these pockets that could go either way. And 2-2 two and two versus 0-4 in these games is, you know, is very will be very different for a team that, has internal expectations still of being that that 50 win team that we that we thought they could be had the Timberwolves closed out a 10 point halftime lead last night in Charlotte they would be third in the western conference <laughs> they are they did not because that's what the Timberwolves do and now they are 10th yep a half game up on the Golden State Warriors who come to town on Sunday um but back to your kind of this also too by the way like the Nuggets the Suns those teams, if you go look, if you're so pissed off at the Wolves, go look at who they've beaten. They've beaten some of the same yeah. questionable teams that have, you know, this is, this is just the league. I have no idea when we became so goddamn obsessed with dissecting the anatomy of the opponent in the <laughs> NBA of all leagues. It's just like, dude, let it go. Like, we get it. Like, if you think the Timberwolves are the only team playing against injured teams, and I don't know what to tell you. Right. But yes, the Warriors game is a little more important now on Sunday. The Warriors have kind of figured it out a little bit. I mean, they were like 0-8 on the road to start the season. And you mentioned the Grizzlies game, but in kind of in between that is like the Wizards, the Thunder, a Pacers team at home, a um, couple of trailblazers so around games. That, it's, it's Thunder and Pacers after the Grizzlies, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Thunder, Pacers, and then uh, in Utah, but then a couple games against the Blazers, Clippers. Like they kind of have like a five-game road trip again, which... You know, as Jim Pete mentioned, like that might be a that's kind of a good place to kind of figure yeah. yourself out. But then like Clippers, Thunder, Bulls, Mavs, Mavs, like I don't really think December, as we flip the calendar next week, gets that much harder. I mean, the league right now is two or three good teams, two or three bad teams, and everyone else is just yeah. kind of five hundred. Um, like I think the Wolves would have to go like forty three and twenty or something to hit a fifty win mark. But so would like everyone else in the <laughs> West. Like the West is just combined right now in a just a clumped way so i guess the hope would be now that they're home you go through shoot round you, you put on film is like listen this like this the highs and lows if we play like the indiana thing we can streak yeah and if like you just said if we play like the charlotte thing we can streak mm -hmm. in a negative way so that's like i guess kind of the model here after i don't know almost 20 games is that when we're good we can be really really good and Indiana is a great team. Like, really, truly, they're a great team. But At Charlotte is good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I know. I always make fun that I would never want to cover them. But they're, they're a really fun team that just kind of plays a modern style of basketball that just mm -hmm. keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. And you, like you said, kept shutting all the doors that yeah. they tried to open. Um, but damn, when Charlotte tried to open the doors, the Come wolves just set the house on fire. <laughs> so, 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 so I, I'm with you. To kind of close this all up, I, I, I'm optimistic moving forward because it's not, it's not Suns, Bucks, 96 Bulls, you know, 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide on the schedule. It's a lot of teams that kind of do the same thing. The problem is, is that can you can you get rid of that mentality where you're better than people? Right. right? Or, or can you like, not, not even that because confidence is key. But can you find a way to repurpose that energy? Right. Because you can't keep blowing. It's OK if you did it in like game nine and ten. Those games don't really matter too much on the season. If you go back and look, but you can't start blowing these games in game 30, 35, 40. You need to start stacking these wins. No one cares who the wins are against, but you need to stack these wins. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do it in, in Charlotte. And that made me sad. Yeah, no, it, it needs to be. It need, Charlotte needs to be a blip, right? And it cannot be an extended law in Golden State, Washington, Memphis. It, it, it can't to be what they want to be. And, you know, that that's the thing that we don't really know with this team. We don't. 
it's it's hard to bet on one side of that coin or the other in in knowing you know and having a strong idea of of who they are going to be night to night and that's part of this whole learning acclimation process of this too but a lot of it as you've said multiple times is just mental uh kyle let's uh let's wrap this up uh it's we're recording this saturday morning to get some of this to people before uh before the sunday slate of nfl games kyle are, kyle and i are picking uh two players from prize picks uh, Sunday slate every every week, just sort of their yardage or touchdown totals, uh, more thans or or less thans. I'm 13, 8, and 1 on these picks on the season. Kyle, you were 2-0 and last week. You got up to 11 and 11. Uh, who do you got for this week? Start us off. I don't want to make these <laughs> because I've now gone four straight weeks picking someone who leaves the game with a concussion. I am frightened for these players' families. Um, but I'm contractually obligated to do this. So I apologize to Isaiah Pacheco and Drake <laughs> London's parents. Um, but Isaiah Pacheco, over 62 and a half rushing yards. Uh, they're at home. They play the Rams. They're like 14-point favorites. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think, is on the IR. He's kind of the seventh-round frisky. He's like their Nas Reed, kind of just <laughs> this fun guy that has gotten better and better each week. So Isaiah Pacheco, over 62 and a half rushing yards. He should get... 20 carries in that game uh and then again apologies to drake london's parents but uh under 38 and a half receiving yards i don't know man the falcons just played tom thibodeau style offense and they just don't pass the ball ever he had a he's on my fantasy team he had a touchdown last week first player second play of the game and then just never touched the ball again so (laughs) under 38 and a half receiving yards he has like 50 in his last five games combined um please players wear protection uh on your heads uh just don't get hurt. I don't know. Take it away. Uh, I will, for my two picks, I'm going to do uh, Nick Chubb, more than 75 and a half rushing yards. It it seems like after Chubb was kind of like the dude, everyone was calling him the, the best running back in, in the NFL. Uh, it seems like kind of some of those numbers, if you compare that to some of the other top backs in the league, uh, it's not at, at the same level. I still think Nick Chubb is... Um, that elite level of running back deserves to be up at that level. So 75 and a half, uh, that, that would be a number I'd be confident saying he'll get more than this week. And then DJ Moore is not a player I am at all confident in right now. Uh, I think he is a good player, but really struggles from what the, what the Panthers have been uh, this season. So I'm going to say DJ Moore less than 47 and a half receiving yards, which just seems just whatever. It seems high to me. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like, DJ Moore is gonna is a fifty percent chance of having fifty yards in a game right now. It just does not. So I, I feel good about those two picks. I'm trying to continue to build over over five hundred. You two going for that, Kyle? Uh, as always, you know, PrizePicks.com, PrizePicks app. We have the promo code Dane if you want to jump in uh, for a one hundred dollar sign up bonus and and play this along with us. Play the NBA games as as well. There, as always, just. Uh, remind you that if you're in minnesota this is a daily fantasy game so you can play it is not a sports book um and it's fun it's 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 something fun to have on on sundays to be looking at i'll be at target center uh watching the wolves play the warriors but i will have up my espn fantasy app i'm i'm sure to be <laughs> to be i think to we're tracking this all as well i think we're three like we've gone three and four or three and one uh in the last three weeks like we've made money so if you go three out of four on your picks like you make a little money so we're not like the worst people in the world. You don't have to fade us, but uh, yeah, Price Picks is awesome. It's a fun way to do. Also, too, like the NBA lines, they have like fun. Like I said this last week, Taco Tuesday, like little boosts and bonuses and stuff. Um, it's just a fun way. Like again, if you follow the Timberwolves as closely as people do, sometimes you can kind of have an idea of like, yeah, like last night, for example, Carlton Towns' rebounds were set at eleven. But, like that's not happening. He had like four. So right. there's cool little ways if you follow a certain team or you know a certain sport that you kind of into. They have World Cup lines that which have been great. Um, so yeah, shout out to Prize Picks. Use use promo code promo code Dane. Yes, sir. PrizePicks.com, Prize Picks app. Uh, we got games coming on here uh quickly with the matinee against the Warriors on Sunday, and then the Wizards on, on Monday evening. I'll have Chris Hine joining me. I think he will actually be in Washington uh for that game on a Monday morning. That'll be in your feed Monday afternoon. Um until then, he's Kyle. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Tige. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Till then, he's out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah.
everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.